Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. What took you so long? The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 604, Code Yellow, is brought to you by Mushroom Pellets. Um, change the world much? Pete, as we do some show news, some MCU news, ratings for last week. Initially, it was a 0.5, which was up, but then it was adjusted to a 0.4, back to where we've been all season. So more of the same in the ratings department. The ebb and flow. And again, this is not to beat a dead horse, but this is all expected. Unless you're going to get a super duper advertised cameo at this point or some other highlight that's going to bring people to the live view. Uh, you're, you're pretty much where you're at. Well, Pete, I can guarantee next Friday night on ABC ratings are going to be through the roof. That's because there's going to be a 35 minute Jimmy Kimmel live preceding countdown to the NBA finals. That's right. No new episode next week due to the hoopy balls. Uh, Agents of shield 605 returns on June 14th. Yes, and in some really interesting show scheduling, uh, suddenly, Matt, we know that Jessica Jones season three, the final season, the last Marvel Netflix show that will ever be dropped all at once, will not happen on uh, June 7th on a day, on a Friday, when Netflix tends to drop its original content, when Marvel fans would be looking for something else. When, of course, will they drop that, Pat? That is June 14th, and I am 100% sure that Netflix and Netflix alone has the say over when that drops. I can only imagine Marvel said, hey, Marvel TV fans have nothing to do on the 7th, and probably not a lot of them are watching the NBA Finals. Let's drop it then. And Netflix probably uh, you know, took out its hand, revealed one finger and was like, ooh, nope, sorry, because I don't like you anymore. We had been looking at dates, anticipating when that would happen and uh, did not know if Kristen Ritter had had her baby yet. Nope. Instead, Netflix the other night says or the other day says, here's your teaser trailer. I, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday. Here's your teaser trailer. Oh, yeah. That night. Here's your premiere. Here's your red carpet. And the show uh, comes out slash gets dumped, uh, you know, Friday, June 14th. So, yeah, it, it really does smack of disrespect from Netflix as this relationship is we're, we're past it dissolve at this point. Um, but of course, what this means for you, those of you that watch Jessica Jones and want to get that podcast fixed, we will be bringing you those episodes, of course, uh, when they drop uh, at a palatable pace, not, uh, Hey, we'll do one and then forget about it for 18 months. And, and then, Oh no, we, we need to do more of those and never finish it. And certainly episode 301 of Jessica Jones on the 14th. Uh, and then, yeah, as you said, Pete, we'll talk, we'll talk Jessica Jones schedule over on the Jessica Jones podcast. But with that, let's dive on into this episode of agents of shield. 
Degrees. When we catch you up on what went down, Matt, we've got company. Yes, pals on the run. Looks like Deke. Looks like the lighthouse. Yes to Deke. Uh, quickly, I think, to the not even eagle-eyed viewer. There's something to the tone here in this episode so ably directed by Mark Kolpak, our VFX supervisor. Directorial debut and bravo at that. Pete, this is an episode where he got his Directors Guild of America card punched. And Pete, he makes it clear just in the visual subtext here that what we're looking at, it, it feels like a training mission. Um, we have the yes to Deke, yes to the training mission, yes to the shotgun axe. And it is appropriately over the top with things like, I'm getting too old for this. Uh, and it's revealed that we're in some sort of uh, some, some, some sort of framework game training thing. And he's been playing with a pal. Yes, and uh, he's the commander. His buddy has, has run out of ammo there. But time to save the day. He does. A door opens, and it's Daisy. Uh, it's Hubba Hubba Daisy, Matt, and uh, gives him a slap. Yes, well-earned slap for being such a fresh young man there. But uh, in the real world... We're, we're doing a walk and talk scene here. He's got VCs coming for his VR company. He is looking at mushroom pellets to disrupt the food industry. Uh, we get Sequoia and things. And, and uh, Deke is told, babe, you're such a genius. Where do you come up with this stuff? Uh, we see the Deke Shaw you know, board of celebration there in the, uh, the lobby of his office building. And Deke breaks the fourth wall super effectively pete this might not be a perfect episode but it's setting us up for a lot of fun and we had wondered through the first three episodes in in a segment i liked to call matt where's deke uh when where he would finally show up uh this is more than satisfying are there things to chew over as to why it's taken this long and what exactly he's doing and how other characters react? Absolutely. And we'll dig on on that in level seven. Um, but yeah, it's an effective hooking start to the episode to take us to the title card. After that, we're, we're back at shield HQ. Mac is all busy. Keller comes in to fess up to the boss, you know, about his relationship and shield protocol for people having relationships. Max sees this coming from a mile away. If he was told about such a relationship, he'd have to split up the teams. You can't let your judgment be compromised. Is Keller compromised? No. Yo-Yo enters. Ooh, little, uh, little uncomfortable moment there. She gets some exposition out of the way, talking about fake Coulson's sky grid and its purposes. And this is not quite lost or shows in that genre, which is if character gets backstory worry. But as far as relationships on this show throughout six seasons have been concerned, the moment that there's some kind of connection forged that almost immediately spells some kind of danger for them. And look what happens to Keller in this episode. If you don't have your name in the credits, if you're a recurring actor, watch out on shield. Uh, the story cuts to Jacko and Pax. 
they're going after their mark. You know, that's Pete, that's kind of cool guy, uh, bounty hunter kind of term there. Uh, they spot the guy who runs. He ends up running right into Snowflake and Sarge. Sarge quickly guts him. And all of a sudden, uh, Pete, according to my notes, he's an alien with spoke face. <laughs> Aptly described there. They had been looking for him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a butterfly, Matt. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, back to Deke. He's in his open plan office space there he's talking about leading the post food movement he tries some mushroom pellets they're not quite there yet uh, but he's told that his meeting is there whoa wait everything's early the meeting guy isn't supposed to be here for another two hours let's update the slide deck someone get deke a charcoal water and he goes into his meeting with <gasps> sarge who we see has a knife to end the act colson yes that is me uh I love this scene because, of course, any time that any show writes a scene in which the audience is ahead of the characters, first of all, it's, I don't want to say necessarily brave, that's probably putting it a bit too much, but it's an interesting place when you do that because normally characters find out things. Oh no, there's a bomb, it's counting down. If we know like the bomb doesn't work or whatever, you lose a sort of tension. Here the tension is, we know that this is a bad, bad guy um, as... Sarge plays along some great lines here about, oh, this shield tech that I'm appropriating. Uh, don't worry. It's actually just to fund the Deke Shaw for a better future foundation and things of that sort. Deke rolls with the punches in terms of Colson got saved after all. He must have been given a shield memory wipe and uh, Sarge wants Deke to fill him in. Yeah, do him a solid here. What, what, what do they do now? And an effective time to cross cut. We've got Yo-Yo and Keller and now their direct conversation that they can't be on the same team here for the, the mission um, and the stuff with Mac. Uh, then we've got the uh, Keller says, of course, he's ready to fight Mac for Yo-Yo. But, you know, he means emotionally because he's really intimidated by this big dude. And of course we have no concerns that Keller will not survive this episode. I must confess, Pete, it's only on the, the second viewing here that I think a lot of those concerns that are baked into the narrative that they're, they're most obvious. I had just assumed, Oh, Keller is going to be a, an able foil for the yo-yo Mac situation. And all of that and the fact that he gets sacrificed by the end of the episode certainly had me surprised. But we'll get there in due course. Uh, there's a body that's come from Reno PD. That's courtesy of not Colson. Pete, that's the mark we saw killed earlier. The body gets brought to Dr. Benson. Uh, it was around this point when I started calling the body the Crystal Skull. Um, <laughs> Dr. Benson says it was a science experiment. And uh, Mac and some others are headed to Sioux City because that seems to be where Sarge is headed. Pete, take us back to Deke. Yes, where uh, Jacko has now shown up in uh, Deke's tech startup here. Um, and then we have security guard Ray who wants who he wants to stay back. Snowflake is on the scene as well. Matt, they have a target and he's also a talker 
Indeed, and all of this having come to a boil right after uh, Deke starts to get tipped off about his grandparents who were slowing down, and May is around, and Agent Doug, he's good. Uh, this is an episode, Pete, that plays to Jeff Ward's strengths, and again, this was worth the wait to get scenes like this. Deke's sense of comedy, Deke's sense of, of tension here, Deke on the run, Deke looking out for the security guard and everybody else. Um, but back to Benson, we go, he, he saws, uh, Crystal, uh, Crystal Skull Guy, AKA Harold Simcoe, the opening up and inside it's a bat man to end the act. From the strangest autopsy that Dr. Benson has performed since the last one to Sarge, who is, uh, who has hunted Deke's kind his entire life. Deke on the run back at his office there. This is not chill, man, not chill. That's when his coworker Trevor kind of corners him. All of a sudden, stay stay chill, Deke. Uh, we're, we've called for an extract. Wait, who are you? I'm Trevor Kahn, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Fun moment, Pete. Take us back to the lighthouse with Benson. Yeah, they've run a blood panel on um, Simcoe. And it's not poison, but instead some kind of accelerant running throughout his body. And then what I particularly enjoyed in this episode, which is actually real science, Matt, is they link back the uh, the parasite that's uh, within him, which we ultimately discover some kind of bat bird thing um, is similar to an ant that is native to the Amazon, which actually um, there's a, a fungus that gets into it and uh, turns it into a host and a self-destructive zombie at that. A real thing was actually used as well in the video game The Last of Us um, as part of their zombie setup. So a uh, little bit of the video game uh, connection a la the framework toy at the beginning and uh, interesting at that. We get the bat parasite thing that flies out of uh, the, the late Harold Simcoe's body. It flies around for quite a while, very, very quickly. Pete, that's because no one is fast enough to do anything about it. Then it gets into the air vents. Pete, why is there no biohazard contamination protocol for this secret base? All you need is five pieces of plexiglass and <laughs> like some 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 venting that isn't normal venting, you know, something to let air in and out. This was a slightly unbelievable moment that there's this weird biohazard situation, whether you know it's an alien bat parasite thing or not. Why is this going on in a normal medical room? Oh, I know why. Because story, which yes. is the lamest of answers. It it is, but it nonetheless moves it forward the same way back at uh deke tech uh we have uh con who was an agent of shield this entire time even at that concert even when he froze up in the escape room matt you know they're they're really good at embedding those agents of shield um and uh did, did you even let me win at remorath rumble was was that the case deke uh insecurely wonders uh but as they are outside on a loading dock uh 
and uh, looking up again, Cole Pack through his direction. And then with his special effects wizardry, we get the uh, Quinjet peeling in and landing. Uh, May is, of course, aboard. And uh, we get the discussion with Agent Khan that they have a code yellow. Wait, is, is that an insult? Pete, it refers back to the lemons, of which there are many in the episode. Although this episode, not a lemon. But Khan uh, mentions there's a guy who looks like Colson. The team is going to suit up. We head back to the lighthouse. They're searching for the bat parasite. Uh, Keller holds Yo-Yo up as she looks in the vents with a long, extended turn of the head. Because I think we're, we're doing some horror movie kind of quoting here then all of a sudden the bat comes flying into keller's mouth in a terrifying moment to end the act that was particularly effective and definitely something the viewer was not expecting and to come back from that here that it's flown inside him that benson has taken his shirt off that he's checking him they avoid the alien tropes of well, this is laying eggs in his sternum and then we'll bust through his chest um, and we uh, flip it back to May. May and Mac, they're coming up with a plan here. They see Snowflake and Pax, the objective, bring him in alive. Uh, we kind of cut to Deke, on, not even kind of, but Pete, we're not leaving what I'm assuming is Sioux City. We're just going to a different location in it. Deke on the plane. That's when Sequoia calls, thinking it's a special day. Where's her party? You get a Pete. It's she's such a ditz, and that's entertaining because this show enjoys. No, normally the women are strong and powerful and intelligent and capable and well-rounded, but but not not Sequoia, Pete. That's why it's entertaining. As a social media influencer myself, Matt, I, I definitely uh, empathize with the need to be whisked in and out of back doors. And then when it becomes a, a thing that there is actually a threat and she's told to hide, uh, yeah, you can see obviously why that would be uh, really, really scarring. Uh, Deke feels the need to rescue her. Um, maybe that portends more Sequoia in the future. Um, but he grabs a vest and off he goes. Meanwhile, his agent who's babysitting him is checked in with HQ as to Deke's VIP status and turns around and says, Mr. Shaw, there's no Mr. Shaw, Mr. Shaw. And it's, it's, it's a funny moment. It's well done. Back to Benson. Uh, we have dialogue how the bat thing, it's attaching, it's growing. Keller is in bad shape. Uh, but would Yo-Yo bring an alien bird into their relationship? Pete, knowing how it ends up, that moment of levity, it just makes the heart get, get a little twinge there. All of which leads us to a flat line here. Uh, they're going to have to cut it out. And uh, back we go to Deke. Uh, at a moment of highest tension for both storylines where he rescues Sequoia and then Mac on the scene here. We have in the office building Pete May fighting Snowflake now points off for girls fight girls and boy boys fight boys because that's exactly uh, what happens. Uh, but 
that out of the way it's a very very well done fight great great uh, martial arts etc may ultimately wins that fight but gets cornered by sarge gun to her head to end the act with packs on deke here matt mac comes to the rest of course and then jacko wants himself a piece of mac we have everybody on the run uh, mac and deke together khan taking sequoia uh, back to Sarge, the gun on May. He won't kill her. Instead, he'll. Well, we cut back to the Deke story. Pete, this is classic Agents of Shield intercutting. Um, they're still running to that secret surprise. Deke and Mac are. Uh, they go into the framework game room, and uh, Jacko quickly sees uh, Busty Daisy, and uh, he's trapped in that world. Certainly not for an extended period of time, but threat at least immediately over. They see on the viewer, Mac and Deke do what's going on. Extended, extended look between the two. <laughs> Pete, there must have been arguments from some people that would have said this two shot goes on for too long. For my money, it does not because you get to go Mac understanding and angry, Deke embarrassed and worried for his bodily safety. Back to Mac, back to Deke. It almost plays, we, it plays so that we, the viewer, can go Mac close up deke close up mac close up deke close up but we get that in the two shot and it ends with the funny deke offering mac two percent of the company just to keep all of this quiet yeah if you're going to have chloe bennett for just the one scene that you're able to film two iterations of and i know matt is going to discuss in in level seven perhaps some of the Casting regular appearance issues in this, uh, you know, first four episodes of a 13 episode season six. But let's just say they're getting creative as far as getting everybody together throughout storylines in two really distant locations. We head back to Benson. Uh, he's going to operate on Keller, but he's too hot to cut into. His temperature's through the roof. Uh, I guess too hot to hold metal too, but not so hot that the cell walls break down and he doesn't melt, but alien bat. Um, he, uh, if he Keller were to explode, he could take out the whole place. Now they're going to get him to the containment thing stat. Uh, but Pete, they don't do it in time. Keller crystallizes one of the more gross and dare say shocking effects. Agents of shield has done particularly yeah. as the arm gets descent distended and stretched. And the solution, Yo-Yo has to stab him with the knife, Keller, and the bat. Dead, Pete? Dead? Yeah. Silent clock. Uh, we conclude this act with Sarge on the truck. It's pulling away. May is strapped down in a chair as Sarge looks on. Pete, take us to the tag scene. Sequoia's day. Yep. A detailed look at our bad guys. Pete, let's start with Jacko, who here, uh, in addition to being an imposing force, and uh, side note, hope to see a Jacko Mac uh, bowl there, but uh, he's a great wall into which Deke runs and falls over. Yeah, I am definitely looking forward to when the two of them are going to tangle. Uh, we're, we're on the buildup for that now. 
the giant bowl. He's come up with a hashtag. Listeners come up with a Mac Jacko Maco 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 Bowl. Um, we also have Pax, who uh, doesn't do a ton in this episode other than run with the pack. Oh, bad guys! But there he is, being bad. Yeah, it's ironic that you know they've got a target and a talker when he's easily the talkiest one of Sarge's unit. This is the first time that we've heard Snowflake uh, declare somebody unbutterflyable, uh, and um, I guess that's how it goes with creepy bat things. And also most butterflyable Matt in May. Yes. Can we, can we, can we ship that there? Would that be Shmay? Um, or Moflake? Snay? Moflake? Moflake. I'm Moflake Mayflake. Mayflake. I love it. It's 2019. We can ship whoever we want to ship. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Can Pete, we ship, Sarge and May, Sarge certainly providing some of the most tense moments of the episode, particularly that Deke, uh, Sarge, formerly known as Coulson uh, scene, or Sarge cavorting as Coulson scene, which was nothing but tension and some giggles, but then tense giggles. Which means, of course, when we return two weeks from now, uh, we will leave that storyline to simmer to sizzle for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we had to position our players there, get the two of them together before we start to go down the rabbit hole of not Colson, Colson, Sarge, etc. Indeed. We even get dialogue from the episode where Mac calls him Colson and may says not Colson to keep the debate alive. Well, keeping us alive, Matt, are the good people of Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Yes, the people who keep us so proudly listener-supported, especially with those core costs, the bleeps and the bloops, the bandwidth, the storage, etc. All helped out by the people who visit Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, and we cannot say thank you enough. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. All it takes is a dollar to get you in the door for Club Fantastic Geek. And then there's all sorts of levels. You sit at the VIP level. Uh, you can just enjoy the party. Up to you. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Pete, first one up from me, something you had uh, made reference to before. This kind of pattern that these episodes have, one in the one storyline, one in the other. Yeah, with a little crossover. You know, we had one Sarge scene last episode. We had essentially one Chloe Bennett scene in this episode. At least, you know, she had to shoot one scene. It was it appeared at two different points in the story. Had me wondering if maybe for season six, if there was some sort of creative um, accounting in terms of the cast contracts. Like, here's what I imagine, Pete. And this is just a theory. I have not read this anywhere. But here's the theory as follows. Let's say, Pete, you are a principal cast member of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they say to you, all right, if we're going to do this deal for season seven and open up money and make the show possible with lower ratings, Pete, you've been making $100,000 an episode. We want to have you back. Uh, We're going to credit you in every episode. We're only going to use you in about nine of the 13 episodes or eight of the 13 episodes. So here's what we're going to do, Pete. 
even though you're going to appear in eighth, that's $800,000, but we're going to divide that by the 13 episodes, but you're not going to work every episode. I don't know if that's allowed by the union. I know we have on the Marvel Netflix end, sometimes people appear credited only in the episodes they're in. I don't know if you know that's also a, a cost-saving way. Uh, but it's just, to me, it's, it's unusual to be having these cast members that you're presumably paying week after week and to not have them in half of the episodes thus far. The machinations are indeed fascinating when you consider by season four of any longer running show, essentially your regular cast become glorified producers. So obviously with Marvel TV, with with something on a higher end in terms of valuability and profitability, it's a little bit of a different situation. But yeah, that, you know, we're four episodes deep into a run of 13 yet to have everybody together, I think kind of to have been expected at this point, but to kind of sprinkle them in through different episodes. This after no way, Matt, Clark Gregg is coming back after directing just the the season six opener. He's going to do that and then go his merry way to whatever he goes to. Um, but yeah, thus is where we are. What theories are on your radar? So a couple interesting things with Deke's reappearance here. He's not seen the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. since, and that was cut off. Uh, we're in that year later time frame. Mac and May later have a conversation when they arrive on the scene um, that does uh, Deke know that they lost Fitz. So... Catching up on everything there is going to be a matter needed to be undertaken at some point. One would imagine. Now, does it happen in between the episodes? Like, do we get much as in this episode where we got a you know a couple of uh, passing kind of catch me up comments of oh Colson not Colson fired this grid da 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 okay we're all on the same page. Do we get that like? Oh man, Mac, now that you've explained everything to me, I can see why you guys are so confused by this guy who looks like Colson. Oh, well, that just took 10 seconds. Now we're up to date the end. Um, I guess we'll see. I, I suspect that's what they'll do because really, 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 S.H.I.E.L.D. loves its forward-moving pace and likes to not look back too much. We get the chase of uh, Simcoe with the alien bat in him. The question is begged why they would uh, have him as a mark, as a target. Deke is also a target. Does Deke have one of those things in him lying latently or the potential for it? And then when you think about the video that Benson unlocked, um, in the dude who got stuck inside the concrete, it seemed like those creatures were on the other planet where they were. I think that's one direction where it could go. Um, and I'd say most immediately it appears that the secret plan that they're following is uh, Sergeant and his bunch are to get these parasites. Uh, and maybe that then lets them become anti-heroes as opposed to villains, you know, 
have planets been destroyed? Yes, but are they trying to stay ahead of these parasites, or you know, is it something that that is an attempt at goodness? As for Deke, I my thought watching the episode was, oh, he the scanner bleeps and bloops because he's different, because he's out of time, not because he necessarily fits into the criteria that Sarge and company are looking for. Um, regardless. I think there's two ways that the Sarge storyline can go. One is, as I said, they are anti-heroes and they are doing some kind of good. Uh, the other could be some sort of, you know, purity, purifying. You're the alien who's not supposed to be here. You know, get out of this planet. You know, I, I don't mean to be overly political, Pete, but do they? is it some sort of you're not welcome here, we are building the space wall kind of thing? And is the show having a science fiction conversation with reality in that regards, or does it go in the other direction of their interstellar exterminators or things of that sort? You know, I think to be completely serious, I think the show could go either way. It's been successfully political. It's been successfully zany comic book madness. I don't think we're dealing with a larger end of a metaphor here. Uh, this is not cloak and dagger in terms of, importance of things that they're going to do, you know, a la human trafficking with cloak and dagger, just having finished up its second season and delving into some really heavy subject matter. But then again, as you point out, you know, when agents of shield has been topical, um, and very effective at that, uh, been a little closer to the mark, uh, than, than some of those other properties, Matt, one for you. Is Keller definitively dead? I think the episode told us, and I'm not saying, Pete, you missed the point here. I think the, the, the visual language of the episode was the Keller is dead. Now, particularly in this genre of show, could they backtrack on that? Yeah. Could we have next week's tag scene be, you know, beep, beep, it is alive, but I feel like there was there was a note of finality there. You referenced at the beginning of the episode when he goes into Mac, kind of this sense of, oh, no, I've found peace. In retrospect, is this the lost style of now that you've found peace, you must, you know, the, the island must uh, take its price from you. Um, I think in retrospect, we've had this, you know, four episode asterisk hasn't been in every one, but I think we've had this little mini arc of, oh, this was actually about Yo-Yo all along and how she views Mac and how she views herself and how she views Keller as an alternative for pairing and, and things of that sort. Uh, but now we swing that back to Yo-Yo, possibly Mac, and I'm okay with all that, although I did really, really enjoy Keller as a, as a character. The decision to revisit the framework in the way that they do, I think, is a very interesting one. You know, you would say it's belittling to consider it as a toy or to take it even to a level of like a Star Trek, a hollow deck, if you will, that in particular, when Deke wants to, and I think we believe him when he says he wants to change the world, that he wants to disrupt things and get people to reconsider food and entertainment and philanthropy. It's a really interesting version of deke that gets presented here i think it's first and foremost very very believable in in terms of our expectations of the character uh he's somebody who does have that sense of community he's somebody who does have 
knowledge of what it's like to be oppressed, to do without, etc., to kind of um, be self-sufficient. He's also somebody who has a greater enjoyment of the joys of life because he's had the sorrows and the difficulties. Um, so I, I feel like it makes sense that he would take this technology and cheat a little bit. You know, he in the lighthouse in the future, he was a little bit of a cheater in terms of, you know, break in here, steal this there, work the system, you know, kind of that, that lovable street urchin. Uh, of course, with all this technology, he's going to be running a, you know, multi-headed technology company that's got virtual reality as well as food alternatives and is trying to save the world and make a bunch of money and give some of it back and be ultra rich and have a lot of fun and have the kind of office where people have scooters and hoverboards. It's kind of like, it's a certain sense of the modern American dream. Like you can come from nothing and then create, you know, what, what are the big inventions now? They're all technology based. He's just living it and wants the good things and wants good things for other people. Well, I think we can agree that if he comes up with a money alternative uh, that's done just online, uh, electronic cars, and then has some some sort of, uh, you know, get people to space rocket by the next time we see them, they've gone a little too far. <laughs> Indeed. Pete, here's a question for you. Do we get Sequoia back? That was the very same thing I was going to ask you. Have we seen the last of Sequoia? I think it could go either way. Obviously, we could revisit that. It could, it could be a fun Easter egg. Uh, it's definitely not part of our main storyline and perhaps best left that way. Pete, I won't mince words here. This was a grating and indulgent character done for indulgent reasons uh and i don't understand how a show that has had so many fantastic characters of every gender of every race etc of you know it's rare to have people in their 50s hanging out with people in their 20s but shield does it you know in the workplace in the bonds of camaraderie and all that it's such a positive show where each character each good character is a role model to some degree and then you have somebody who clearly is just incredibly dumb and incredibly out of the loop now i get it is marissa tantrowan you know a professional actress all the time and you know should she be given the uh you know the to be or not to be seen in hamlet okay fine but there's no redemption redemptive quality here if at the at the very end deke was like you know what babe i don't think this is going to work all right, then you say, oh, this is not a, a worthwhile character. And just the, the, the unending nature of it, including the two-and-a-half-minute tag scene, I will say it again, Pete, indulgent. Does it smack of vanity to have the showrunner cast herself in this? It's a little bit more than a bit role. It does. Um, I think we have to consider, too, Matt, that, you know, they are four episodes into this sixth season. She had not yet appeared on the show. Perhaps there was a feeling, okay, this is it. If you're ever going to, you know, get that role, here's a thing that uh, Marissa could be in uh, and, and do. And in the nature of the role, I, I think it's, it's holding up a, a mirror to people uh, you know, who 
hashtag everything on social media and, and here are, are two of them talking right now <laughs> that, that many of you follow and we are grateful for. Um, again, the, the nature of society and media and entertainment in 2019, it has some fun with it at the same time. It, it, points the finger to things that are really done without a a whole lot of thought and care. Pete, what was the biggest Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. social media story from last week? That she was going to be in the episode this week. You go on Instagram this morning. What has every Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast member and crew member dutifully said was the best thing about this week's episode? It was her presence. There is your vanity. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran a Twitter poll last night. Uh, one star, Ma Boba Bay. That got 7%. Two stars, Batman. That got 7%. Three stars, Mac Rumble. Got 18%. And four stars, Deke Forever. Got a healthy 68% of the vote. I don't know if it was a four, but it wasn't a one either. It was in that middle ground. And again, you know, we get Jeff Ward back. We have this this fun jaunt. Was it as fun as Space Casino last week? <sighs> Hem and hawed a little bit. Uh, but but again, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is back. It's season six. We're having a great time and we're bringing this to you. I think that sentiment is uh, reflected by uh, our Twitter pal, ML Huber writes, who says, how is it the two weeks in a row I have to stop and ask myself, am I really watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, this to me speaks to the versatility and fluidity of the show. Not saying I absolutely loved the episode, but also not saying I hated it. I have issues with it, but those may be my own. Uh, I had replied uh, just how there may have been a sense of having fun on the way out, not anticipating season seven. Uh, the wise Jen Phillips 721 on Twitter said uh, something that, that we've heard before that everybody knew about season seven ahead of time and fans were told at San Diego Comic-Con last year, but they were sworn to secrecy. All I know is this, Pete, that you dig in a little bit to some of the uh, some of the details about this season Jeff Loeb himself has said he was surprised by the seventh season renewal and it was only of course officially announced in uh, in uh, November of uh, this past year so you know I, I guess when Jeff Loeb who is the the master salesman, when he's not sure something is going to happen, he who believes, Pete, that Agent Carter season three can happen at any time and Cloak and Dagger could run 100 episodes and just you wait until you see uh, the Inhumans show up on, uh, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. When he's not sure of it, you know, to me that just adds to the level of question here. It does. We've talked quite a bit throughout the number of Marvel TV podcasts that we've done that a third season renewal makes you increasingly more, uh, you know, likely to be renewed for a fourth season. I'd love to know the numbers, a sixth to a seventh, um, only cause seven is, is an iconic number as far as genre TV is concerned. I mean, you look at, you know, where we, we play in the Star Trek universe and the number of seven season 
Star Trek offerings there um, really kind of an expectation more so than, you know, something like if we can only get to that seventh season. Here's the upshot. We have a seventh season. It is coming. We're at a point in this season where perhaps they might not have been assured that. And I think you see some things that could potentially have come along with that. Pete, what do you have in your corner of the mailbag? To Facebook, Matt, where Robert T. Frost wrote in, unfortunately, AOS will have to wait till Tuesday. It's all hands on deck. OLSM Polish Fair all weekend, but it helps knowing that Fantastic Geek will be there waiting for me too. Thanks, guys. You know what? It's all about the time shifting. Maybe not all about. Live viewers count for a lot, but... This show has not come back for season six and seven solely based on the live view. So, yeah, get get that view in within the week. You know, you're contributing to the cause, making making Shield stay healthy enough in the ratings. And, uh, of course, then check out the podcast when you're done. Pete, have to include a couple of tweets here from JT Atkins. That's at JTA is me on Twitter. Uh, great catch when he said that uh, anybody noticing that the AOS... 603 story editor is George Kitson. George Kitson, anybody? Obviously, connection to the planet, the person, the city. And what if Deke is missing because he's back home taking care of his baby mother? Uh, and then he says, one last crazy theory, because I'm going to be right eventually on one of these. <laughs> May, in quotes, says she was with Colson when he died. But what if May is actually alternate timeline Loki posing as May, deceiving us that Colson is dead, thus beginning Loki messing with history. I would only wish they would go that deep, but we know that they made most of this sixth season without the knowledge of what would be going on in Avengers Endgame. So that unfortunately could likely preclude that. The, uh, the Kitson thing is great. Um, I think, Matt, you and I watching the episode were so hyper-focused on what's going on. I did not notice uh, that name coming up within uh, the story. We're also live-tweeting and taking notes, but no excuse. And big ups to JTA, uh, you know, uh, noticing that and bringing it to our attention. Absolutely. And last, Pete, we have an email uh, which reads as follows. Dear Pete and Matt, Part of what I really like about your podcast is that you say things from your own POV. I loved last week's episode about getting space high, and I cracked up over Sequoia this week. I know you guys weren't as crazy about those aspects, and I respect you for calling it as you see it. I know some other S.H.I.E.L.D. fans and casters out there are more interested in getting early attention from Melissa Tancherowen, Pete, I think he means Marissa Tancherowen. Uh, so more attention from Marissa Tancherowen than actually reviewing the episodes. You guys are the best because you keep it classy and keep it real, even when I disagree. Sincerely, Justin Q. Turner. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you couldn't have drawn that up. I mean, in terms of what we attempt to do throughout our family of podcasts, all the Marvel shows, Star Trek, we're into Star Wars now with The Mandalorian, and we're doing Watchmen, and God friended me as well. Um, we have always stated that we will call this down the middle, and if it's going to call for praise, we're going to give it. 
And if it's going to be a little more cringeworthy, we're going to go after that. So to have somebody get that, to disagree, but to get it nonetheless, we need a little bit more of that in our society. Absolutely. Pete, how can people be in touch with you to keep the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. conversation going? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-10,000. 513 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek. All one word with the PH like it today. Well, Pete, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be talking Cloak and Dagger tomorrow. Uh, as well as doing a recap of the second season, oh, probably about a week from now. As for the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, obviously no new episode next week, but we'll be ramping up to talk Jessica Jones over on that podcast before S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, returns on June 14th, and we continue for the uh, remaining bunch of episodes all the way till August 9th at this point, assuming the hoopy balls or other things don't interrupt S.H.I.E.L.D., at that Friday night at 8 o'clock spot. If you somehow need a little bit more of a superhero fix, we have recorded our review of Brightburn, uh, produced by James Gunn, he of Guardians of the Galaxy, and written by his brother and his cousin, which you can check out on iTunes under the Fantastic Geek Pop Culture Podcast or on FantasticGeek.com. And Matt, with a week off here from S.H.I.E.L.D., we'll be bringing you, revisiting some of our other feeds, namely Star Trek Picard, uh, in addition to perhaps some of the other ones. Absolutely. And Pete, I guess with news coming out in this last week that uh, iTunes as an application is going to be going away, uh, in favor of a music app, a TV movie app, and a podcast app, similar to how the phone is. Uh, a, I guess we'll have to change the things that we say, and B, certainly the end of an era, not just for everybody who's been using iTunes for some portion of these last 18 years, but also, you know, I think of think of the highest watermark that we've gotten in the iTunes podcast TV and film category, which was Agent Carter episode 20, uh, 201, 202, where we were all the way up to number two, there and uh i know ultimately it's not really going away it's just being rebranded and clarified and put into different categories if you will different apps but uh had to take a moment to tip the old hat to uh to to itunes but with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word thanks i had a blast (laughs) 